It's your boy, the Sweet Keeks. Hello, everyone. This is the beginning of November. We're just carrying on the tradition of <laughs> singing or humming or whatever. Uh, the, Howard Shore. The main themes for these movies. Get a, get a, get a bit of that. Oh, can that I, we might have to record a little, a little EP of just us covering the Lord of the Rings songs. Yeah, I'm in. I call in it, dreams. May it be. Yeah, I call dibs on Enya. <laughs> that both are from Enya. May it be. <laughs> <laughs> we we are um, we are gonna do a little recap of my visit to Utah with TC and with Jives. As many of you saw, we all met up this past week, so that was great. We'll talk about that. Then we're gonna give you a little bit intro into the world of Middle Earth. Talk about J.R.R. Tolkien himself and the history behind. The books that he wrote, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy. And then we have a special ad. We have an ad. We've got a sponsor. So we're going to show that to you guys, give you a little clue into who's sponsoring us today. And then it, uh, it's it's Fellowship, you know, Fellowship of the Ring. Sweet movie morsels. We're going to be even, might even give a tease of the giveaway that we've been planning. We're very excited for the giveaway, but there might be a stipulation behind it too. Um which we will kind of, I'll be running by TC live on the pod like we normally do to plan. Anyways, it is your boy, the Sweet Keeks. And who do we got? Dun, 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 dun. It's Underhill right here. No, yeah. it's TC. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk Lord of the Rings. We have never done a full dedication to Lord of the Rings, so this is great. Uh, just watch the extended. Uh, so fun fact, we... Um, it was October 30th, so yeah, just the day before Halloween. We got invited to two Halloween parties. However, we didn't RSVP to either. Um, we retired, and I was like, let's watch Lord of the Rings. And so that's what we did. <laughs> Instead of going to Halloween parties, we watched Lord of the Rings, and it was great. So I, I just can't, I can't wait to get back to, you know, like getting invited to things and being like, oh, I, oh my gosh, oh, I forgot that we have this. And it's just, you don't want to get off the couch and you're watching like your fifth episode or your fifth movie and you just don't want to leave the house and you got a pizza. Yeah, yeah. I miss those times. Yeah, so I'm great. Keeks, uh, I want to hear, I want to I let everybody know all the sweets that Keeks has a nasty spin on that pickleball. I like pickleball. Yeah. Me and Becky have been like, really into tennis we feel like elitists when we play tennis so it's been a lot of fun and um when we played pickleball like most of the tennis stuff translates pretty well yeah uh, a lot of the pickleball stuff doesn't translate as well to tennis i feel like however i only played for probably like 15 minutes no as everybody saw on the story my my uh my little return wasn't too great with right to the net <laughs> But it was fun. I'm excited to but play. But TC, he's, I mean, he, we played again on, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. And he just absolutely, he worked me six out of seven games. Maybe five out of seven games. Yeah. Either way, the majority of the games. It was good. It felt good to, you know, play well. Um, and big shout out to our wives who worked us in like two or three games of doubles oh, as well. Yeah. We didn't beat them. We never beat them. Never got close. No. My, my goal is to beat Kennedy fair and square. She's so good. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, there's no extremely good. So uh, yeah. yeah, that was nice. Uh, it was fun though. I'll, Get a little bit of a workout. Also made uh made Ke- made Keeks and Becky some ZD. That is oh, that is it was so good. If that's my staple, I feel like is ZD, and it's actually my sister in law's <laughs> recipe, but I've converted it to my own. 
is my Don Peppinos. Yeah. So you got to, if you guys want to have the recipe, send us a message on Sweet Film Talk, but you have to get Don Peppino sauce, spaghetti sauce. It's on Amazon. Yeah. So, you can just get it in a crate. Yeah. Yeah. It comes with 12 cans. It's it's great. That's what you need with that. How, much, is, how much are the 12 cans just for the people so they know? Um, I think it, like 25 bucks. Well worth it. Okay, yeah, no, that's not bad. That's going to give you uh, 12 meals. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so it's, you, it sounds like, you gotta sounds go, like a you good gotta investment go, to me. You got to go with the sweet sausage. Sorry, Keeks. Not as good with the ground beef. I, I actually really like the sausage. Opinion. What What was it, sweet sausage? Now, I, I am, I'm going to admit this. You like this. The, the sausage? <laughs> I did like the sausage. Yeah, I'm going to admit this. Sausage. When you said sweet sausage, you know how we put the word sweet in front of 90% of the words that we say? I thought you were just saying, I'm going to get you some sweet sausage. But no, the sausage was actually sweet, and it was really good. Like the, yeah, the flavor, yeah, that's not the word we put in front of every other sentence we say. Yeah. <laughs> The sweet sausage. Which, which the Johnson Hill me until I tried it. The Johnson Hill sausage. So yeah, yeah, that was great. Great to have you and Becky in town and Jives and Sarah. Finally, all three of us in the same room eating sushi. Yeah, which had been forever. Uh, I will also say to add to you, you know how you were talking about how like ZD is your thing. Rice is my thing. Mm. Tell the people. I tell make the, people the, the perfect secret. pot of rice. Hmm. What's the secret? For every cup of rice, it's a cup and a third of water. I heat it on the stove. I'm very particular. So I heat it on the stove. You bring it to a boil. And once it's been boiling for like, you know, a few minutes, you bring it down to low. You cover it. There's a occasionally it might start to simmer over. So you just lift up the lid. And once you've gotten the suds under control, you just keep the lid on. And you can keep the lid on for like 20, 25 minutes. And you've got a perfect rice. you got to buy sushi rice, though. You can't just buy mm. the rice from the normal rice section. You have to go to the Asian food section or an Asian food store and buy sushi rice. Mm. It's the best rice. Dang. I like the jasmine I rice a lot. Yeah, my mom likes jasmine. But I, I'm a, I, I like a short grain rice. Okay. That's what I grew up eating, and it's the best rice. Yeah. And macaroni and cheese. Shout out, Dana. Um, oh, that's right. Hospitality, really sweet. She sent me a bunch of Instant Pot recipes that I will try out one day. <laughs> Once we get like the bravery to try out the yeah. Instant Pot. The mac and cheese, very, the very mac and cheese thing's really easy. And the red pepper flakes, I like it. Oh, I love a kick. Yes. Gotta have a little bite. Yes. So You know what? Let's, let's move on a little bit of the movie news. And the movie news is that there will be no more movies for the rest of the year. Yeah, basically. essentially. Yeah, like Free Guy, and I forgot the other one got delayed. So that that graphic that we released, like maybe two three months back, about the whole release schedule, everything's been delayed at this point. Yeah, I mean, like we don't want to say we told you so, but like we did call it like three months ago that everything would just get delayed. Just kind of makes sense. It's true. Yeah. Tenet flopped. Yeah. And not like by its own fault, but you know someone had to be the sacrificial lamb, and unfortunately, it was Tenet. Yep. Yep. So we'll see y'all in 2021 <laughs> at the movie theaters. <laughs> Which, like, it's kind of forced us to change a little bit, but I like the switch up. We just kind of pick what we want to watch. And uh, as a little hint, um, December is going to be dedicated to the sweets. Yeah. So yep. you'll be picking all the movies we watch. Can't wait. And Can't wait. Uh, also, on another note, Mandalorian release season two. Yep. Watch the first two episodes. I. I mean, I liked the first episode a lot. I thought that was a lot of fun towards the end. No spoilers. And then uh, the second episode was fine. It was just 
kind of felt like a little bit of a filler. I think it will circle back. Um, there's a lot of speculation with the ice spiders that oh yeah, they're they a have, new creature that apparently. they have some connection to a character that is in Rebels, I believe, Sabine. Oh yeah, okay. I just watched like an IGN video. So, anyways, God, love it. There's that. Um, you know, I will. I will. Did, did you ever watch the X Files? So the X Files would do something every so often called Monster of the Week, and it was just like a one-off episode with like a kind of weird monster that uh, Mulder and Scully would have to like find and take down or like figure out the origins of. And that's kind of what this one felt like. It was like a one-off adventure, kind of fun, brought in some different kind of enemies, but doesn't serve a whole lot to the whole overarching story. Overarching story. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So we're only two episodes in. Yeah. So we'll see. Have you liked it? Have you liked it so far? Yeah. Yeah. I like the Mandalorian. It's a fun, it fills the void for what the sequels of Star Wars could have been. I think the score is really well with the Mandalorian and yeah, I just like the backstory. It's five years after Return of the Jedi, so hopefully it fills in a little bit of gaps. I hope it leads up to the Mandalorian crossing paths with um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then that transitions to Kenobi's story. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, so. Wait, if it's five years after Return of the Jedi, that couldn't happen, though, right? Because Obi-Wan's dead. Oh, duh, hello. <laughs> Ray? Is that what you meant? Sure, let's go with Ray. <laughs> No, but I think I've made the same mistake. Like, I think we've both thought about it as like, oh, yeah, like, naturally they would have to cross paths. But no, Wait, it's like. Yeah, he's he's dead. Yeah. yeah Obi-Wan, yeah, he's not alive. So maybe, get a little maybe, maybe Mandalorian finds a time traveling machine and goes back to the end of Revenge of the Sith. So there you go. There's there's my <laughs> logic. Just to be present right as Obi-Wan says, I've got the high ground and yes. Anakin goes into flames. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you for getting me on uh, the tracks there. Do you have any predictions for it? Any predictions for Mandalorian season two? Um, I, I, I like what you said. I think they they um, talk about the Yoda's race and kind of where yeah. baby Yoda came from. I mean, we got to know what his origin. I, f- I feel like you can't teeter too much. Unofficially, according to according to WikiLeaks, it is Lannick, L-A-N-N-I-C-K, is kind of the unofficial like Yoda species. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, it'd be interesting if they kept it, but if they changed it, I mean, it's, there's nothing official so they can do whatever the frick they want. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know what? We're done with star Wars. Yes, we are. Unfortunately, as much as I do love star Wars and we're going to journey into middle earth. TC has gone pretty like all out for this. I mean, this is definitely TC's bag. Now think of like the star Wars original trilogy thing we did for May the 4th. And like, Times it by 10, and that's what we're going to be doing. Oh, that's some expectations. Well, mainly because we're splitting it into a whole month instead of just a day. That's true. That's true. Which, in hindsight, I'm like, fuck, we should have just done Star Wars (laughs) in all of May. So, yeah, no, I watched a ton of behind the scenes. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago, I played terrible with golf. I have fixed my swing, by the way. I need to tell everybody that. I've been telling everybody that. Even just random people on the golf course, I'm like, yeah, I fixed my grip. It's so much better. That's just how excited I am. Anyways. Right as they're teeing off. Hey, just so, hey, just so you know, I fixed my swing. Yeah. No, so I played a couple weeks with my dad. And I just played terrible. And then I came back home and I was just like, I'm just going to watch some Lord of the Rings behind the scenes. And it is so, I want to preface this before we start. The main objective for the Lord of the Rings trilogy and we'll get in some background. We'll talk about J.R. Tolkien and all that. However, I want everybody on all the suites to know this, that they really strive to make Lord of the Rings, the, th- the trilogy, 
They really want it to be a world. They want it to be history, like prehistoric history, ancient history, where it was actually a time. And I think they did that. There's so many scenes that I'm like, I feel like, do, should we have learned? Should we have learned about this in school? I mean, they did such a good job, and that was like that was the overarching theme and the goal. Um, as I was watching interviews and the behind the scenes, is they just really want to make Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, like it actually happened. I and I think so. I'm gonna kind of like already get this out of the way to let people know, at least for Fellowship of the Ring, it's 100% A plus. It's sweet, extru- like the sweetest it can be. And the most interesting thing I think about Lord of the Rings is, uh, as, as a sweet movie, Morrisville Tanner had written this down, um, it is the second most read or like purchased book of the 20th century behind the Bible. Like, so we're, we're this is, the, the adaptation of Lord of the Rings is one of the biggest like adaptation deals ever. Yes. And the fact that they pulled it off as perfectly as they did, I don't think we'll ever see anything like it ever again. Yeah, no, it's it's perfect. I mean, the scale that they did, Lord of the Rings, the scope, they started film production August 1997. Okay, do you know do you know how old Elijah Wood was? Wasn't he 19? No, he was 16 then cuz he was born in 81. Oh my gosh. I always thought that he was like, you know, in his early 20s or something, but no, he was super young. Wow. Yeah, and Orlando Bloom, this was his first major big role. Like he just got out of film school, apparently graduated 2 days afterwards and then got the role for Legolas. What okay, what I'm going to make one entryway into, you know, the film world. I might be making a very daring take right now. It might be a hot take. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, Orlando Bloom of the early 2000s is the most handsome person in handsome period time for one person in the history of the world. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, honestly, look at like him and Lord of the Rings. Oh, and then move on to Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, he was he was really flourishing in those early two thousands. Good for him. No, he could pull off rugged. He could pull off beautiful. He could pull it all off. Had a great like sense of comedic timing in those Lord and like Lord of the Rings and in Pirates of the Caribbean as well. Untouchable. Yep. Yeah. Untouchable handsomeness. Yep. So, I mean, the casting is great. So I just want to give a little background to Lord of the Rings. J.R. Tolkien kind of give the suite some background, some history about all that. So. Um, J.R. Tolkien, he was an orphan at the age of 12. Obviously, Lord of the Rings would not be here without J.R. Tolkien. And he went to school at Oxford <laughs> and eventually went to World War I. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting when he was at World War I, uh, somebody was saying, he's like, just imagine if, you know, J.R. Tolkien was to catch a bullet and die in World War I. We wouldn't have Lord of the Rings. I don't like thinking about that. No, I don't like, like that it's either. It's like the ultimate butterfly effect, yeah. horrible history outcome. So, uh, I'll, and his full name is John Ronald Rule. I think I spelled, pronounced that right. Ruel? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He was born in South Africa. Yeah. So, um, let's give a little timeline of when these books were released. Uh, the Hobbit, I didn't know this till just a few days ago. The Hobbit was released September 21st, 1937. And then. What is that? 17 years later? Nin- yeah, a little less, but yeah. 1954, July 29th, The Fellowship was released. 
then the two towers that same year, November 11th, 1954, and then Return of the King, October 20th, 1955. And he's kind of known as like the grandfather of high fantasy. To this time, there wasn't really... You know, you had your, like, your tales about, like, King Arthur and medieval times and dragons, but it wasn't to the scale of this whole new world and this whole totally different place where he was able to transport you. I will say this. I have read all three. Have you read them? I've read The Hobbit and I've read The Lord of the Rings. I, I haven't. I've just read The Hobbit. That's the only book I've read. I've read a little bit of The Fellowship. I actually have them here behind me. So. Just display? Yeah, just display. <laughs> okay. I did read them in sixth grade. So, uh, yeah, it's been a little bit of time. I, I remember I bought them when I was in fourth grade when the movies came out because I loved The Fellowship so much. I was like, I'm going to read these. And I read, like, the first probably 50, 100 pages of Fellowship. I was like, okay, this is this is not as good as the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, this is not the same as sitting and watching the yeah. two-and-a-half-hour-long yeah. movie. So, uh, interesting enough, about Peter Jackson and his role behind – uh, Lord of the Rings, because I think this is fascinating. You have a director who doesn't have much credentials to land Lord of the Rings. Like he doesn't, he's not a Steven Spielberg at this time. He's not a John, uh, excuse me, not a John Williams, a uh, George Lucas. You know, he's not a hard hitting director who has that credibility. So he only directed uh, before he landed uh, Lord of the Rings. He directed Bad Taste. Meet the Feebles, Dead Alive, Heavenly Creatures, uh, Forgotten Silver, which was a TV movie, and The Frighteners, and then made Lord of the Rings. That, and I mean, how many how, how many people have heard of those movies? No, exactly. <laughs> Not me. So I'll tell you that much. Apparently, Heavenly Creatures is a good one. Uh, I haven't haven't seen it. Yeah, a lot of them are horror movies. Yeah, they? they're horror movies. They're kind of comedic type horror movies, and so. With the help of Mark, his buddy, Mark Ordesky, I believe I'm saying that right, uh, Miramax was was in love with uh, Heavenly Creatures. I think that was the movie that the, they produced. And so he had a deal in the works to do Lord of the Rings, and it was only going to be two movies. And then things started to fall apart, and uh, New Line Cinema, his buddy, his good friend, Mark Ordesky, who worked at New Line Cinema, uh, they came together and like, this could be actually our first film that we can work on together. And so uh, they met with New Line Cinema and the head honcho is pretty hard guy to read. And they did their presentation. They had like a 30 minute film of what they wanted Lord of the Rings to be like, some sample snippets. And at the end of the presentation, um, the guy at New Line looks at Peter and says, Peter, wh- why are we going to make this? Why would you want to make this two films? Aren't there three books? He's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, this is a three-film movie. And then right then and there, it was greenlit to be made, essentially. I wonder if that was kind of like a, maybe a little bit of a strategy, like a being two steps ahead kind of a thing, go in with two, really wow them with the idea of two, wanting to make three, and then being like, bro, just make three. We'll give you the money to make three. Yeah, isn't that and sweet? Like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Let's do three. So they uh, at the Who time, knows? New Line Cinema was making a lot of, um, what is it? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Stream, they're doing a lot of part ones, twos, threes, fours, fives, and they're really milking a lot of the sequels at the time. So they feel like they need a new rebrand and to start fresh. And then, lo and behold, Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, coming in hot. uh, (laughs) Yeah, pretty pretty good one to go in. Oh, yeah. 
100%. So that is... I believe it's their highest grossing movies of all time. Yep. And fun fact, obviously, Peter Jackson was born in New Zealand and decided to bring back uh, Lord of the Rings, a lot of the production to New Zealand where all the filming occurred. And man, just amazing that this all came together. Imagine Lord of the Rings being just two movies. How we? What would you call it? It is interesting that the title card of Fellowship of the Rings is just the Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? It's not the Fellowship of the Ring. It's just the Lord of the Rings. Mm. So I'm not to say that, you know, that was planned or whatever, but I guess what it would be the Lord of the Rings part one. And part, two. part two. Yeah. Ooh, I have no idea. Probably. Yeah. So tons of movie morsels that we'll continue to cover. Uh, but yeah. And then what was interesting about um, when they got the green light and they started to um, production August, like I said, August 1997 is when they started film production. And what I thought was so fascinating is Hobbiton. When they found Hobbiton, mm-hmm. uh, they went to New Zealand and uh, they found this place and they're like, yep, this is it. And even the visual concept artists started just drawing on the hill. Right when they got to the spot, they're like, this is it. They started drawing out Hobbiton, started drawing the houses underneath um, the ground and everything like that. And uh, Peter Jackson was like, yeah, let's do it here. And so they took one year to build Hobbiton. The amount of effort that was put into just even like like making the sets and everything is crazy. Like I, you you wouldn't get that level of dedication now because one you've got VA, you've got special effects where you can make things pretty interesting and two the turnaround time for these movies now needs to be 2 years. Oh yeah. Like no way would you get a year and a half to make 3 movies then distribute them. It it's just almost it's virtually unheard of. Yeah. And so like you and like you said it took this this production took 15 months to film. From Oc- I, gosh, it's yeah. just absurd. So, I mean, the perfect movie that was made, and it was made with such detail, and they executed it to a T. And as everybody knows, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite movie of all time. A plus, all sweet. Every, I've, I mean, when I did my top ten, I think I mentioned this. It would be Lord of the Rings, Fellowship, Return of the King, then Two Towers. Those are my top three movies of all time. But I kind of bunch them all together because they're a trilogy and they're just so cohesive together. And they each one it's true. each one ends at the perfect time and then goes on to the next one and the next one and it's just and can we just talk about the cast? Who yeah, who uh, is great casting? Who is the best cast in your opinion? Like the perfect to a T John Reese Davis as Gimli. Really? I love him as Gimli. Just his like just his very gruff, like his accent and everything too, works super well for the character. I like Gimli a lot. Yeah. I think it's a really great casting. Yeah, Orlando Bloom, obviously, you know, he tugs at my heartstrings, <laughs> uh, gets a blood pump in. Really great, really great, really great choice. Yeah, no, I think for me personally, after rewatching them, uh, this is this is tough to say. I feel like Elijah Wood is so good as Frodo. Especially for how young he was. I never realized that he was that young. Yeah, I would say, and then it baffles me that, I mean, Aragorn, I'm already going to say, Aragorn is my favorite character through everything. He's just what a protagonist should be. He's humble, strong, he's dependable, and um, doesn't want to take up the mantle of 
his heir because he feels like the ring will possess him and that he'll go like Isildur did. And I just love that he's just so reluctant to take that up. And I, Viggo Mortensen, also I used to say Viggo, holy crap. Yeah, dumb dub club <laughs> I am a dumb dub club. <laughs> I always thought it was Viggo, I don't know why. But it's Viggo Mortensen. And this was also a sweet movie, Morrison, we posted over a year ago on uh, Instagram. However, Peter Jackson and uh, the crew realized that Stuart Townshed was the original cast for Aragorn. And they realized that he was too young and that Aragorn actually had to be, you know, appear older. And so Viggo Mortensen gets a call from his agent about Lord of the Rings happening. And um, at the time, uh, Viggo Mortensen was, didn't really care to do it. And his son, Henry, was like, who was that? And they're like, oh, it's a movie about Lord of the Rings. And he was a huge fan and his son was the one to convince him to be Aragorn. To do it. And so what's crazy is Aragorn, they already started filming. Viggo gets there to New Zealand and he is casted just days before the weather top scene, the battle scene. So that is his first scene that he is filming. And so he goes through. A, I, don't, I don't know what the weather top okay, scene it's is. Fine. Thank you for clarifying. It's when uh, the hobbits are at the top and uh, the ring race come and they stab. Uh, Frodo. Oh, and he comes in on okay. top. Yeah, <laughs> and they start they start the fire. And for the first three fourths of you describing that scene, I still was like, "Uh, <laughs> okay, now I now I got yeah, it. Yeah, now I got yeah, it." Yeah, when they come up up on weather top, that's the weather top. And so yeah, and so he went through a crash course sword training, and that was the first scene that he shot. And the the guy that was teaching him all the sword training was like, "This is the best actor I've worked with ever, who has been able to be this quick and to learn." about absolute natural so yeah i'm you know as we're getting to talking about the character and stuff i think we're ready to move into the movie but before we do that it is time for a little bit of an ad from a, a special sponsor so we're gonna go ahead and roll that ad and we will be right back traveling through brie need a place to rest your aching hobbit feet then come on by to the Prancing Pony. My name is Barlaman Butterbur, owner and proprietor of this inn. And I'm not Barnaby, Hobbit liaison and Barley's right-hand man. To celebrate the 300th year of my family owning the pony, we're making sure everyone can feel like they're at home. Stay in room TA3018 for the weekend. Normally eight bronze pennies, but if you mention Underhill 300 when you come in, it's only four. Tour the Brandywine River with Knob, normally four bronze pennies, but you guessed it, with Underhill 300, it's only two. And that's without tip. Ale tasting with the brewmaster himself. Me? Well, that's always free at the Pantsing Pony. So what are you waiting for? Come on through and celebrate with us. All you got to say is Underhill 300. First five points of L are free allers are just 50 cents each. Room TA 3008 is under re- reconstruction and is closed indefinitely. Wow. Everyone... Underhill 300, going down to the Prancing Pony. Go ahead and get a nice little stay, nice little, uh, a nice little romantic suite. I'm sure they've got. Um, I'm a pretty small guy, so the Hobbit room might work for me. I don't, maybe not, but I would want to try it. Would you try it? I would try it. I would love to try it as long as I don't have to put on Hobbit feet. And I believe they have pints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's I, I I you I think you had posted I think you had mentioned it last time um, the moment where Legolas takes a bite of the Lambus bread is that how you pronounce it Lambus yeah Lambus bread Lambus bread he says one bite can fill the stomach of a grown man 
And then Mary and Pippin look at each other. It's like, how many did you eat? Four. <laughs> so they just laugh. Um, I think that brings along to kind of the next, the, the best part about the whole movie is how the whole fellowship works. You get to see the fellowship working together. You get to see them travel. I love how it talks about, uh, I believe it mentions it in the book, is that elves are very light on their feet. So while the fellowship is traveling through the snowy mountains, um, they're all in the snow except for Legless, who's walking on top of the snow. Yeah, yeah. So really, really great attention to the detail. I think, now, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to try and phrase it well. What do you think would be the most difficult aspect of filming these movies? I will go first, and then you can think of it, okay? Okay, yeah. So for me is the perspective shots with the normal-sized characters and also normal-sized people, Elijah Wood, playing these characters that are supposed to be a lot smaller. And then having to use like little people stunt doubles for their backs, the the perspective shots in all these movies, especially in Fellowship, exhausting. Yes, yeah, easily would be like the least fun part to have to film. Yeah, because you're having to swap everyone out all the time. You're having to design the sets in a specific way. Be kind of a pain. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100% with that. I also want to add uh, to that what would be the most difficult. I would say would be the props. Um, the amount of props they did and having to continue to create props for the orcs, um, costume design, they were roughly created over 19,000 costumes. So that had to just been a hassle, just having all these costumes also for, you know, the little people and also the main leads and always having to swap those out, make them look clean, make them look rugged. And so I think that had to also be a very hard aspect. And yeah, I mean, like, just like you said, like the scale of just doing everything. Um, it's interesting like that you mentioned how you make people big and small. They had a, when Gandalf and Frodo are riding in the wagon, Gandalf is more up in front and they actually have Frodo mm-hmm. way in the back in a seat and just that angle of the camera makes it so looks like Frodo no is, way. is so small, yeah. Isn't that cool? So just the angles crazy. Yeah. I seriously I was sitting there and I was like, how it seems like magic. It is, yeah. It is. It's so cool. It definitely is. I, I want to highlight something, and this is actually a big. So there are a couple big, um, techno like camera and film technologies for special effects that were introduced in this. The first one is you get like a lot of kind of for the first time like crowd effects and like CGI people that actually looks pretty good. Uh-huh. You know, like when they're running through the mines of Moria, and you can tell it's most likely CGI, but one, because it's dark, and two, because the camera's so far away, it doesn't look as distracting. Now, the second one is super interesting. What they would do is they would, it's essentially, it's like a motion path for the camera. So in one scene, there's a scene specifically where they're in Lothlorien, And Elijah Wood comes out onto a balcony. The camera kind of follows him out, and then it pans out as it focuses on him on the balcony with, like, sets in the background. Mm -hmm. How they did that was Elijah Wood was just in a blue screen set with a few props around him. They had the camera come out and record him doing that. And then, in a totally separate shot, they 
had the same same camera movement, but recorded people walking in the background, and then in post they superimposed the images and put the put Lothlorien in the background, so it looked like people were moving in the background, and Frodo was also moving there, making a very dynamic scene. Oh. And it was two takes, two totally different things going on, all using CGI to work and camera movement. Wow. So like that, and that's used a bunch. It's also used in the scene where Gandalf walks in and like greets Bilbo for the first time. There's actually, they filmed those in two separate locations. Yeah. They weren't in the room together. Oh. If you, I think it's the Corridor crew. Those are the VFX guys on YouTube. Yeah. They have, I think, a two or three part series where they break down Lord. a lot of the VFX and Lord of oh, the Rings. Oh, that's cool. I have to give and that a watch. And that's one of the moments they break down. Oh, it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Dang. So, and the, I mean, the, the special effects, I mean, need we say more, uh, have held up extremely well. Yeah. I would say, for me personally, the only time where I'm like, mm, that hasn't aged very well is when Legolas gets on top of the cave troll. Oh, yeah, and, and to be honest, that, that's something, too. The whole cave troll aspect is a little tough. Yeah, but that's the only time when I was watching this, I was like, that hasn't aged amazing. It's just when Legolas gets on top of the cave troll, and you could tell it looks just a little wobbly, but at the time, I mean, they're working with 1999-2000 computer processors and those type of engines. Yeah. So that's for me. And even, I mean. Even then. It's, even then. Yeah, still looked not bad. Still looked really good. Uh, Keeks, what? is your first memory of the Lord of the Rings. So my first my my first memory of Lord of the Rings is my mom telling me I couldn't watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and so I was like I was probably 9 or 10 and my buddy had uh two towers side note the video games for these Lord of the oh, Rings movies oh. slap absolute bangers. All three of them. It like so you had like your own missions and then they incorporated cutscenes from the movie. Uh, my buddy had two towers and he was playing it. And anytime there was a cutscene from the movie, I'd turn away because I was like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to disobey my mom. Oh, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. And then uh, eventually, I just kept watching the cutscenes and I was like, mom, I watched the cutscenes and it seems okay. <laughs> then she let me watch it. Okay, I think actually thanks to my aunt, she let me watch two it. Two Towers video game and Return of the King, so so fun. And uh, Shadow of Middle Shadow of Middle Earth and Shadow of War, the new games that came yeah. out like a couple, few years ago, absolute blast as well. The story. Um, what is your first memory with it? So my first memory, uh, near and dear to my heart, I was visiting my grandparents in Mississippi, and at that time, Lord of the Rings had just came out on um, in, in theaters, and so we went and watched it in Mississippi, and I was in the guest bedroom. So after, I was floored. And it was a little scary. Lord of the Rings and Fellowship of the Ring has some pretty frightening scenes. I think, honestly, out of all the frightening scenes that occur in the Fellowship of the Ring, the one to this day, even where I'm like, is when Bilbo sees the ring on Frodo's uh, when they're at Rivendell. And he's like, I want to hold it again. And then he just buttons it up and he goes, "Ah!" and you can see that Smeagol face. That like shook me as a child. It still does. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Yeah, like that's a good... Um, it, that's a very large Marge scene. Have you ever seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Uh-uh. So there's there's this truck driver, and her name is Large Marge, and he doesn't know that, and he gets in, and she's telling him about the story of Large Marge, and then as he's getting out, she says, "And tell him, don't forget to tell him, Large Marge sent you." And it's like this 
claymation ghost face that pops out and it freaks me oh. out every time I see it. And it reminds me of Bilbo Lord of the Rings when he, he like makes that same kind of creepy face. It's a little Smeagol like. So I also remember like being really freaked out by Galadriel when she's kind of like that, that oh, like evil witch moment. Yeah, yeah. But after watching it now, I'm thinking, oh yeah, not as creepy. Yeah, no. Ring race were a little startling. So I oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they look good, and they're like Duh. just the detail like that when they're just uh, the blood on their on their feet there. Um, oh, and on the horse's hooves, how it's like the nails yes. are like poking through their feet. Yes, such oh. a good shot. However, I remember I was uh, staying in the guest bedroom, and it was it was in the back of the house, and so there was just a ton of woods. Okay, like there's no backyard, oh, no. <laughs> and. Uh, I remember the fan on our ceiling was just going, and I could just see like this gold part of the fan, and it looked like a ring. And I was like, "You got to be kidding!" I have the <laughs> ring in this guest bedroom, and the whole night I just thought like a ring wraith was gonna come through the window <laughs> and grab the ring. So let's just say I did not sleep very well that night. Don't blame. So me. initially, Lord of the Rings kind of like spooked me a little bit. I was only eight, nine years old at the time. So it's, it's pretty dark for that. So when you have kids slash, if you had kids or introducing this to a child for the first time, how old should they be when they watch Lord of the Rings? I would say nine to 10 years old. Okay. That's, I would say 10. That's yeah. That's, that's my bet. I was, I was nine when I watched it and I, I loved it. Like ever after every year I'd watch it. And so another memory I have with Lord of the Rings is, uh, my older brother Trent loves loves Lord of the Rings. So does my other brother Justin. But anytime I'd anytime I'd go visit him and Logan, we would always watch The Fellowship, and we would always fall asleep to it, and we would never make it out of the Shire. We would always fall asleep before Prancing Pony. <laughs> so uh, it's got that nice, very 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 appropriate. As like Frodo says, if I take one more step, this will the fa- be the farthest I've ever been outside of the Shire. Gosh, you know when he says yeah, that? sweet Sam. And then Frodo's like, you yeah. got it, Sam. Um. Yeah, so that's one of my first memories, and I just it just has aged so so well. I can't get over it. So I'm really excited to rewatch Two Towers. Um, yeah, um, let's get into like little review because I know we've talked about kind of our favorite things, but my so as as a review overall, the I, I've kind of noticed this, and I think it's great because they use so many practical backgrounds. I mean, you get like the um, like the like the camera shots from the sky. So you've got like the helicopter shots, whatever shots where you get to see the landscapes of New Zealand, uh, nature, color palettes, nature gradients and all color gradients and stuff. Slap. Nothing better. Oh, hundred percent. The fact that they're outside, you can tell they're filming outside really adds a lot of charm to this. Like we said, the VFX look really great. The acting is awesome. The direction is insane even the choreography i was watching some of the fight choreography trying to see like if it looks a little lazy in certain backgrounds but no like it's all very dynamic in any fight scene you've got everyone's involved everyone's fighting it seems like everyone's really making a great effort and it speaks a lot to peter jackson as a director of how incredible these movies are uh it's the best trilogy of films of all time yep Hands down. My only gripe, and this is a gripe for any movie, is when people will film, uh, they'll just film a scene and then they put it in slow-mo and post. It doesn't look like a natural slow motion. It looks like a very choppy slow motion because instead of filming in 64 frames per second, 
then slowing it down to make it look like more of a natural slow 32 frames per second. It's filmed in 32 frames per second, chopped in half to look like 16 frames per second, and it looks really unnatural to the naked eye. Mm. What, what scene is that part? A bunch, like the one where Legolas looks at the orc at the other end of the river and he like slowly turns. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. one. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't happen a lot and they do a good enough job to disguise it. But there are some moments where I'm like, oh, but I just hate that in any movie. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, That's OK. So my review. As you I mean, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And Keeks, I'm so glad you watched Fellowship. And I remember a few years ago, you just. Never got around to it. You watched it like once. And it was years. Yeah, I was a little bit, I kind of thought they were overrated. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And Becky, thank goodness. That's when you started dating Becky and you were like, yeah, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. And she had a fit. And I was like, thank you. I like this girl. Please marry her. I still I still think Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I know, that's fine. That's that's your cup of tea. But like not quality-wise, just like I enjoy Star Wars a lot yeah. more. I recognize that Lord of the Rings, I think overall are better movies. Yeah. Um, no, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, what's, what, what it does so well, there's so much to be introduced. And I just love the very beginning of the prologue that they get, well, not necessarily get out of the way, but right from the get-go, they're like, this is Sauron. He poured all his malice, his cruelty into this ring, and this ring and him are together. And so right from the get-go, you know that this ring means everything. Like, this is the movie and so the prologue was great with Kate Blanchett uh, narrating that. And fun fact, Sweet Movie Morsel, it was supposed to be either Ian McKellen or Elijah Wood to narrate that beginning scene. Oh. And it just didn't feel right. So thank goodness Galadriel did it, uh, Kate Blanchett. She kills it. Uh, but there's so much going on. There's, there's, you have Saruman, you have Aragorn. You have to introduce uh, your heroes uh, in the Fellowship. And you only have so much screen time um, to, to do it in. And you do such a good job of making Gimli uh, you know, the charismatic comedic relief, also the warrior, a little bit um, off his rails at time, barbaric. He's a dwarf. Uh, Legolas being the cunning warrior, the smooth guy. Aragorn just being the dependable guy that he is. And just the cute little love story with Arwen. So, and in fact, the movie, uh, the books don't actually have a huge uh, part for Arwen. And she makes more of a prominent role in the movies, which I think is well done. So you have all these characters, and the character development is so well, especially throughout three movies. Like you definitely need two towers and Return of the King to wrap everything up, and that's why I love the Fellowship so much. Is it just goes hand in hand so well with two towers, and it does a great job of doing show, not tell. yes, and it, like down to the costumes. Like Legolas has a very like tight fitting, like very acrobatic costume. Gimli's got this big armor; he's this chunky dwarf. Aragorn kind of has this like dark suit that shows the and uh, makes him very rugged as well the hobbits have very light clothing kind of like um like at everyday kind of wear and gandalf obviously has his cloak i don't think you know this i don't know how many people know this i was gandalf for halloween when i was 10 oh do we have pictures i need to see this we might okay i'll text my mom okay i want to see it that's awesome yeah i yeah. mean uh, apparently, with John Reese Davis, that was the hardest costume to do. I think it would take five or so hours, four or five hours, for oh. his costume and everything to get done. Just, I mean, it looks so good. So, also, it does. And even with his helmet off, how he still has like yeah. different ears yeah. and yeah, it looks really so good. So, they actually made a Frodo uh, when I was watching behind the scenes. They wanted to make Frodo look a little bit more proper. And the lead role. So as you notice, as you watch the two towers, and especially in the Fellowship of the Ring, he has 
um, better clothes, so to speak, compared to the other lead hobbits, which I thought was was interesting. He's got like a very nice, like kind of embroidered suspenders. Yeah. He's got like a nice button up shirt. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple more movie morsels, and I think we're kind of towards the tail end, right? I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 300 people in the worked in the art department. The Weta workshop there in New Zealand made all the armor. And what I thought was interesting, there were no shortcuts. Everything for this film was made from scratch. Everything. Um, Crazy. Over 1,800 pairs of hobbit feet for the four lead hobbits were made. 1,800. And as a lot of people know that when Sam uh, is running out to get Frodo there at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, he actually sliced his foot on a shard of uh, glass there on the shore. And he had to be sidelined for a little bit. They had to like life, well not life flight him out, but had to fly him out of a helicopter and everything. Get it all stitched up. All stitched up, I think. Um, He was sidelined for like a month or two, roughly. So, crazy. Um, and then in all that filming, especially like where it's going to be 15 months of filming and one, you know, if an actor gets hurt or something's delayed, I can't imagine like how much of a wrench that throws into everything. Yeah. So just the movie is so well done. I am really, really excited to rewatch two towers. I haven't rewatched two towers for a year. (laughs) (laughs) 11 months too long. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds and this is kind of perfect that we're doing these all right now because this is kind of your the time of the year when you do lord of the rings yeah I, you rewatch them and it, it, it like harry potter is very much an october movie lord of the rings is a hundred percent a november yeah movie. It, it, november december vibe hundred percent for um the lord of the rings so yeah i mean just the detail I, I recommend everybody just to go on youtube type in lord of the rings extras there's four parts that you can watch where they do all the interviews uh, for fellowship. Uh, they talk about the background. It's it's fascinating, all the details they did. Also, one more movie morsel as we round out. The ring um, for the fellowship was actually, they wanted to make it similar to the ring of one of the producers, Rick Porras, who had a ring just like the one that you see in the movie. And so that's how they kind of based it off that ring. Oh. Yeah. So... It's like in itself, in and of itself, is a pretty like, simple looking it's ring. It's pretty generic ring. That's yeah. I wanted my wedding ring to kind of be like that too. The yellow gold. Oh, is that why you did it like yep. that? Yep. And then Stop. she has a yellow gold ring too, so kind of complements each other. I've got a rose gold one. I like mine a yeah, lot. Yeah, yours is sweet. Yeah, just put it in the screen. So, yeah, more movie morsels will be coming out. Tons for two towers. We'll keep just trickling through. And uh, that's it for Fellowship of the Ring. I can't think of anything else to say. Just that Middle Earth this is a blast. And com- no, as a wrap for Lord of the Rings, I did mention in the in the intro that we have planned a giveaway. Oh, and this giveaway is very special. Now there is a caveat to it, and kind of like something to jump it off is we are currently at forty seven reviews and star ratings on Apple Podcasts. We want to get that to fifty sometime in the next week or two. As soon as we get to 50, it activates the giveaway. And TC, what are we giving away? What are we going to do? We are giving away one ticket to the Prancing Pony. I'm just playing. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, use Unreal 300. Yeah. (laughs) No, we are going to 
give the digital extended version to that lucky winner. Correct? Yes. HD digital extended version. I actually have, um, from Vudu, me and Becky have the three HD extended editions on Vudu. We got it as a wedding gift from Jen Packham. Shouts out, Ben. Jen Packham. That's a great. Uh, She was on here, reviewed Rise of Skywalker with us. Great wedding gift. So we will gift that to um, the person who gets the most trivia right through the week. Through the weeks, I guess. So as you're doing trivia, keep track of your total. We'll also announce it again on the podcast, like on the story. Make sure everyone knows. And um, maybe we'll think of one more thing you got to do. Maybe it'll just be trivia. Uh, we'll announce it on the story for sure this yeah. week. And no cheating. Don't look at the questions and look it up and then answer it. Because if you do... I don't think people do no, that. Do they no, do that? I hope they don't do that. And if you do do that, just know that the Balrog will come and get you. Because that is not right. <laughs> and drag you to the depths of hell yeah. with it. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, what was, uh, what was your foreshadowing? Did you talk about it? Oh, okay. No, no. So in the foreshadowing, you know when, um, so I was talking to TC. I was like, oh, I think they kind of foreshadow something in the very beginning to foretell like the very end of the movie. And you know how when Gandalf and Bilbo are smoking on Bilbo's porch? Uh-huh. And Bilbo blows out just a little ring. And then Gandalf blows out a ship. That flies through a big, like, sun-looking circle off into the distance. Oh, when they leave Middle-Earth. Yeah. That's awesome. And as Bilbo leaves Middle-Earth into the ship, I don't know if that's what it is, but I thought, oh, that's very touching. I like that a lot. I kind of like that, too. I I feel like they did that. It's not anything huge, but it's just kind of like, hey, this is our last time seeing each other until we get on the boat. And head out. I never have put that together. I like it. I think that yeah, yeah I, it went. It just went up to an A plus plus. Perfect. The first ever. Yes. Perfect. All right. I, I also do want to say so as we had said, um, fifty, make it five star ratings. We just need three more. So literally, if you haven't tapped the five stars on Apple Podcasts, just tap it. Get your mom to tap the five stars. It's super easy. Write a review if you want as well. But once we get it to fifty, it activates the giveaway and HD. I, we actually watched it on our TV last night, and it looks great. Mm. Um, the 4K extended editions are $250, and we don't have that kind of dough. So uh, the, the the HD extended editions on Voodoo is, is still great, yeah. and that's what we'll do. Yep. Sorry you can't see every uh, eyebrow of Gimli with our HD. 4K you can. Yeah, <laughs> or, the, uh, <laughs> or, or Gandalf's beard. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Well, that is Fellowship of the Ring. We will see all you sweets next week on November 16th for Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. We love it. It's your boy. And everyone, like always. It is your boy. Hold on. What was my name again? What was it? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. This, What was it? uh, Barlaman? I am Barlaman Butterbur. That is now my new alias. So Barlaman Butterbur here, a.k.a. TC. Keeks. And I am Nob Barnaby. Nob actually doesn't have a last name. I invented the last name Barnaby. Uh, But uh, I am Nob the Hobbit, a.k.a. Sweet Keeks. (sighs) Barlamin the Hobbit, TC. Everybody, stay sweet. Sweet. Sweet.